Well, good afternoon and welcome to this week's Table Talk. We are so glad that you're joining us. And in fact, speaking of joining us, we are excited to have Will Warren join us at the table this week. Glad to be here. Yeah, good good to have you. Uh, Will, um, you serve as an elder here in the church. You also lead a journey group. Yeah. Been yeah. doing that for many years. Yeah. And uh, in between that, you uh, you continue to spend some time in Luke with us, right? I do. Enjoy All right. Yeah. Well, we'll see how much time today yeah. we're here at the table. <laughs> yeah. That's Give good. him the hard ones. Then. That's right. Yeah. So, again, thanks for joining us. Yeah. And Pastor Andrew, back with us again. Thank you uh, for the opportunity. From the I always enjoy these conversations. Yeah. Well, and your message this Sunday. So uh, thank you. And it sparked a few questions. Oh, good. And so before we get into it. Uh, you know, this week we were looking at uh, it's unit 10 in your certainty book, uh, page 88. It is Luke 7, verses 36 through 50. And it's the account of this woman who enters into the house of a Pharisee, Simon, and anoints Jesus' feet with oil. So we'll get into all that. Mm-hmm. But before we do, any just big ahas or insight from the passage or message in general? Yeah. I- I think I wrote down something you said early on in the sermon and, and just kind of resonated with me. It said the, the most important distinction between the Pharisee and the woman is how they approach Jesus. And I'm looking back in the last couple of chapters in Luke and, and I'm, I'm visualizing the Pharisee sitting at the table on his sandy foundation with a big log hanging out of his eye. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and, and the woman comes in and she's solidly on her rock foundation um, just approaching Jesus mm-hmm. and the absolute humility and worshipful attitude, um, as, as we're called to do. I love that you yeah. made that connection to the sermon on the plane in Luke six, because as I was thinking, I was like, this is the real world application mm-hmm. of what he was talking about mm-hmm. in Luke six. I felt like, yeah, yeah, uh, that's a good word. Will I, I think for me, just, um, it probably came through in my points already and I'm being a little redundant, but just the person who has been forgiven much loves much. And I just felt a little conviction around that as I think about the way I worship and man, am am I really approaching the woman, Jesus, the same, the same way this woman was in terms of the extravagance, the passion, the just here, here it is, Jesus. I love you. I don't, and I don't care who knows it. Um, just prompts me to be a little more conscious of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that, that, and I think we're going to get into that a little bit with the the question this week okay. too. But for me, the insight came when you spoke, uh, it was, it was the aha. I speak of aha a lot, but you know, rarely are they like really aha. This, this was a real aha. Um, you spoke about the idea that what the woman knew in part, we know in whole, mm-hmm. we know in full. And it was that as her faith saved her, right? Uh, because he had said, your sins are forgiven. And what struck me about that whole aha is that was that um, he had the authority to forgive the sins because he knew where he was headed. And it was only by way of the cross that he could say, your sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. And like in that moment and before we get to the cross, a lot of times I think we hear that and we go, oh, well, well, God can just tell anyone their sins are forgiven. Uh, but it's with an eye to the cross. And so I thought, wow, how timely, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, this could have been the Easter Sunday message uh, because it's really just a matter of, Hey, I'm going to die for you so that your sins, someone has to pay the the debt is what you said too. It doesn't vanish. It doesn't just vanish. He couldn't just say your sins are forgiven. Woo. Now everybody's good. He's still not good relative to the price that has to be paid. And so that, that just struck me that throughout, cause we'll see this several times in Luke that Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. Your faith has saved you, you know, those yeah. sort of things, but it's always with an eye to the cross. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, so yeah, thank you for that. That was, that was really good. So before we get into the questions, Will, would you yep. read the passage for us so we can all learn about her? We're in Luke uh, 7, starting in 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay it, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them loved him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Oh, man, that is so good. That, uh, that passage just really resonated with me this week, and I appreciate, Will, reading, reading through that again for us. So questions. Um, really, this is interesting, Andrew, because after the service, uh, it was really more of a, a conversation. One gentleman asked the question, and then a couple others were, were sort of listening in and playing part of it. But basically what was said was, you know, if, if he's properly understanding what Jesus is saying here, how important that is, uh, because uh, it could be understood is how the Apostle Paul supposed some might equate our levels of sin. You know, if we're not careful, we'll read this and we'll say, this is just like Paul saying, you know, thinking of your level of sin uh, equals your level of grace. In other words, Paul tells the Romans, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. By no means. <laughs> ah, Romans, yeah. Romans, Romans. Uh, you know, and in, in one way it could be asked, you know, does this mean if we are good people before coming to Christ, there is actually less opportunity for forgiveness or less, less love that can be coming out of it? Uh, so, so in any way, I, let me try to sum this up. Uh, if we look at Paul, we might say, oh, no, no, no. Paul's not saying, you know, the deeper in sin you are, uh, that the more grace you get. Yeah. But then Jesus is saying, hey, maybe the more that you have to forgive, the more love you can give and maybe the more grace you get. How do you, how do you, does that yeah, make sense? I, I see exactly where this okay. question's coming because I, I wrestled with it too as I'm working through the parable. And, and here's what I think I, I think we have to remember uh, parables conveying one, two, probably at most three points. And sometimes we can read more into a parable than we should. Oh, sure. and, we, and, yeah. and we don't need to stretch this and make it so elastic. I, I, here's, the, here's the short answer. And yeah. then I'd, I'd love the chance to tease it out. But I think <laughs> if, you've, if, if you have been forgiven, then you have to be able to sing from the bottom of your heart, amazing grace, how sweet the sound right. that saved a wretch like me. And so um, 
there's none of us that you could say, oh, I was a good person before I came to Jesus. I don't have to show as much forgiveness as, you know, this person who was a serial killer. Well, here's the thing. There's not a one of us, it doesn't matter how good a life you live or how good a citizen that you, you, you've been, that you could say, well, Jesus didn't have to die for me, but he had to die for you. Yeah. Jesus had to die for each one of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think it just, what helped me was coming back, well, why is Jesus telling this parable? Well, he's, he's wanting to kind of explain why the woman has acted the way that she did. And I, and I think he's wanted to bring Simon to a place where he might get there too. And, yes. and so he, at the end there, he says this, he says that he who has been forgiven little loves little. And I think that's the point where Simon should have been like, okay, I haven't kissed his feet. You know, I haven't, well, I haven't done any of these things. Maybe I've been forgiven little. Um, it, it, if, if we're going to be Christians, if we're going to have a relationship with Jesus, there has got to be the place where we can say amazing love, you know, and can it be that, yeah. that thou, my Lord should die for me yeah. or, you know, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. I mean, there's, there's all these hymns. It would seem that even as we grow in our spirituality, we, be, we become more conscious of our sin. In fact, here, here's right. Paul at the, at the end of his life that could say that he's the chief of sinners. Yeah. Uh, and he's probably been on a pretty good roll for 20 years, yeah. you know, yeah. but here he would still sit there and he would stand in the presence of Jesus and yeah. say, I'm, I'm, the, yeah. I'm the chief of sinners. Um, so yeah, I mean, relative to somebody else, maybe there isn't as much sin, but when you look at it from, it's like kind of when you take the view of earth from the space, you might not see the mountains versus the valleys. It's just all kind of, yeah. from that perspective, there's not any of us that get to say, hey, I was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I don't have too many flaws. Yeah, no, that's 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 exactly right. Yeah, it's, uh, well, before I, did you have anything, Will, the thoughts on that? When you no, that? same thing, uh, you know, the parable, the, the debt is canceled for both. You know, it's, it doesn't matter. They were both separated. We were separated by our sin from God. They were separated by their debt. The debt was canceled. They brought us back to even. That, that's your justification. So to me, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not uh, which sin is greater, um, but it's more of it's bringing you back to justified. Yeah, I think to me, I think two things. One, if if we're asking the question, well, wait, if my life wasn't as bad before Christ as someone else's before Christ, then can I still love? Well, that's the wrong question. (laughs) Yeah. The the question is, my life was equally as bad, regardless of my actions. I was as far away from being reconciled to, to God as anyone. And so, yeah, I think that perspective sets that up. And then also, I think really at the heart of this question is that Paul is also speaking to those who have come to a point of being Mm -hmm. justified in the faith and Mm -hmm. and are in salvation. And he's saying, look, there's still grace, but don't abuse that grace. So he's actually, I think, speaking to the Romans about this idea of that in our sin, uh, don't have it cheap grace, right? And so I I think a little different perspective, but the the key is just, again, that... um, yeah, we're, we, we're equally yeah, lost. I think of it maybe this way, too. Like, yeah, maybe I fell in a pit that was 1,000 feet deep, and you fell in one that was, like, in 1,200 feet deep, you know? It doesn't matter, yeah. you know? We're, we're, the condition is the same. Yeah. You know, maybe one is—we're we're, we're still stuck. We still—we're yeah. still, we're still dead, as it says in Ephesians 2, in our trespasses and sins. And yeah. so that, um, yeah, there, there might be slight degrees, but... It should uh, result in equal gratitude. The situation is yeah, the same. In worship. We're, 
We're, yeah, we're sunk without Jesus. Well, that's a good question. I know many have. Now, the other, and we'll just do a quick question because this is brought up by Rusty. I really appreciate uh, a Rusty text on this. Uh, Rusty says, look, I'm looking through the Gospels, which is awesome, harmonizing, doing, looking at them all, comparing, contrasting. And there seem to be four incidents of a woman and anointing Jesus, oil, ointment, some case. Uh, I believe Matthew 26. Mark 14 and John, John 12. 12 and and then here in Luke are these all the same you know uh, scene settings of the the same situation or are there four different ones or what do, what do we make of that yeah, I think quickly I think you might have addressed this in your Thursday email to the discipleship leaders I might I have it, I think I, th- I think it did um, so but not everyone gets to receive that that's but right even if you're yeah. not a discipleship leader could someone yes. receive it if they want to get your insights absolutely the, who, sure. who do they write just David David Holcomb and David Holcomb at riveroakschurch.org or, anytime or table talk at Rivers you get a little Let sneak preview of what we're going to look at before little, Sunday a little supplemental S- yeah commentary. I, I think I agree with you uh, as I'm recalling. Which, so I think it's, I think the incident in Matthew and Mark are talking about the same one because it would appear that it, it's happening at the, at the home of Simon the leper. Yes. And it's, it's actually his head that gets anointed with oil. Mm-hmm. Passion week too, right? That's right. Further Passion down week. the road here. There's another one yeah. that happens in Passion week in John 12, but I think it's a separate incident because it would seem that's happening at the home of Lazarus, and it's Mary who does the anointing, whereas it's an unnamed yes. woman in the other two. And it's the feet. So otherwise it would be contradictory, although Versus it's happening that same week. Yeah. And then I think this is a com- this, this would be a third incident, probably maybe the first in Luke 7. Yeah, and, and the only possible connection between Luke and then the Matthew and Mark uh, would be the name Simon, yeah. which we, we know, one, there's many, many Simons, and uh, Simon the leper versus Simon the Pharisee were totally yeah. you know, different individuals. Um, yeah, it, quite possibly. Here's one that I don't know if you guys have thought about this, but I, I wondered if Simon um, the Pharisee became a Christian because his name is given. Mm. And he's not like he's necessarily a famous person. Sometimes a famous person, like Cornelius was the governor of, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's this reference point everyone would know. But it's just otherwise, I just, I wonder if he kind of came around. Yeah. And that's why his name's included, because, oh, people would know him. Yeah. Will, you got any insight on that one? <laughs> not, not on the names. Um, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Matthew and Mark... Um, didn't Jesus respond specifically and say, you know, she's she's anointing me, preparing me for burial? Yes. And yeah. and in this and Luke, um, he doesn't mention that. He kind of receives the worship from her mm-hmm. as as saying, yes, this is right to worship me because I'm mm-hmm. Lord. But but this is that's kind of the separating this as an earlier yes. one where the Passion Week was, hey, yeah. I'm, I'm getting ready to die for you. She's prepared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so great. So thank you to the conversation in the coffee bar. Thank you to Brian <laughs> with a Y and thank you to Rusty <laughs> with a Y. And uh, appreciate those questions. And in fact, that last question from Rusty sort of leads into what I've identified as the historical insight for the week. If you've looked in your book, you see that that section this week uh, is the alabaster flask, which all four of those incidents, I believe, all speak to the alabaster jar, flask, container mm-hmm. uh, of some sort. And so I think it's interesting just to know culturally what they're talking about, maybe get a visual of it, look at some archaeological findings of it. But I think it also goes to the specifics of it, which are very, very important, uh, that it was even named. 
that the uh, the gospel authors thought, well, I'll, I'll describe it in detail because it really speaks to the value, the worth of what was sacrificed. And so in short, uh, alabaster is really the marble itself. It's a white sort of pliable marble. They could carve it easily. It's named for alabastron, Egypt, which was the major marble quarry of the uh, you know late uh, BC, early first century AD. Um, and so most all of these perfume and oil containers where you wanted to hold some, something of high value uh, with great fragrance or you wanted it to last a long time, you would store them in the alabaster flasks. Um, most of the ones I think that we found are uh, like flower vases without handles. Does that mm-hmm. sort of do an image? Mm-hmm. That's what the, the pictures look like. Yeah, the, the ones that we saw, email. right? Yeah. You saw yeah. that in the discipleship email, right? There were about five or six. Eventually, they'd have maybe a handle. Mm-hmm. Eventually, uh, there would be marble in Palestine, and they'd sort of make, but they'd always be called alabaster. And so um, different than just the standard container. Mm-hmm. And primarily because most of them you would seal with a wax because you wanted it for a very, very special occasion. You wanted it to last a long time, you know, maybe in 12 years. You know, I, I think people say that about bottles of wine, maybe, or something, right? Uh, so uh, this oil or fragrance would be something that's, oh, the very special time, right? Um, some would have stoppers, so you could portion it out. We don't know for sure what's happening yeah. here. Um, I think in, in in the mark, it actually speaks to why that's 300 denarii uh, worth of oil or perfume, you know, a year's wage in that alabaster that was broken. I think there's one that's broken, the others are poured. Yeah. And so, um, again, I, I, it could have easily said, you know, she, she anointed his feet with oil, period. Be done mm-hmm. with it. But we get a greater sense of how, how much she was willing to sacrifice by understanding what exactly yeah. it was she mm-hmm. used to mm-hmm. anoint him. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, and I read it was common to kind of anoint with olive oil if you were going to do that. And so she comes cheaper. in and was like, "Not the cheap stuff. We're yeah. going. We're going top shelf. Yeah, for Jesus. Yeah, you know, you could say, hey, um, you know, I, I fed him. Will came over the house and I fed him some beef, uh, or <laughs> I, you know, what I came over, I fed him some filet mignons. Mm-hmm. There you go. There yeah. you go. Um, you, you, I that's, gave that's him a, a car. Great, yeah. yeah." You know, I gave him a Jaguar mm-hmm. or, a big blue. or a big blue. <laughs> Joke about a sacrifice of worship. There yeah. you go. Oh, good goodness. So, yeah. So that's why that's in there. Just sort of get a, a yeah. sense for it. And we see it a lot. And mm-hmm. if you have any questions about it. Um, but speaking of in the yeah, book, let, me, let me take us back to the study. Yeah. So this is kind of the David. What were you thinking? Yeah. Help, oh. te- tease this out. I hope I remember. So um, <laughs> Jesus responds to the, the Pharisees thoughts. With this parable, who, who does the woman represent in the parable? Okay, yeah, this is this is question four, and uh, the reason, sort of looking at it, is I think this is a great question for our groups this week uh, because we can all look at it and we can say, okay, uh, look, you know, uh, God is the money lender here in the parable, right? And the the lady, the woman um, of ill repute, or walked in immoral immoral sense. Um, She's the one that uh, owes these 500 denarii, these year and a half wage. And the Pharisee is the one who owes, you know, little. Uh, And of course, I liked how you put it too. I hadn't thought about this before, but the debt itself in the parable is sin. I think that's what you said. Mm-hmm. I hope that, yeah, that's, yeah, um, that's, is it, uh, so that's so, where he's going with that. Yeah. So we <laughs> see all four, you know, all of the elements of the parable are used to describe something. And uh, again, much like our question, you know, I think this really lends itself to the question we talked about earlier as well. When you say, when you reflect on it, 
um, that we're not saying, uh, again, that it's impossible, like we have a bad testimony, right? Some of us will look at this and we'll say, man, I used to sit in youth groups and uh, this guy was on drugs and so far away. And then he came back to Christ. And, you know, then I get up there and go, you know, I was raised in a church, baptized when I was eight. And that's a really bad one. Uh, I guess I can't love as much. And so it's not that at all. And so I want us to get past that in this conversation yes. to get us all on equal ground relative to, no, 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 we're all the lady and, and we're mm-hmm. all the 500 mm-hmm. uh, denarii debt in, yeah. this, in this parable. That's right. So um, just wanted our groups to, to spend some time on that. I think it says, you know, have you experienced the truth of this parable in your own life? And we're trying to move in the study from the practical, you know, have you ever owed or, or been given something freely that you, you just didn't deserve, you know, that you think, wow, that's just too much. Or you, I don't have to pay you back, you know, that sort of thing, but yeah. then move that into the, to the spiritual uh, realm of that mm-hmm. in our faith. So, um, that would, that would be question four and, and, uh, that debt, uh, you know, that eternal life. You know, nothing short of that, right? Mm-hmm. When we think about the debt, there's nothing short of uh, uh, eternal life, separation, or in the presence of uh, Jesus. So, last look at Luke. It's a great conversation. And so, let's just, as we wrap this up, one of the thoughts for the last look at Luke this week, I thought is, you know, Jesus ends this passage. This is beautiful. This, maybe this is why it resonates so much, right? Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And... Uh, I was thinking about that as a message to the church today, to believers today, to you and me today. How would you sense this if you're leading the group or if you're just reflecting on it by yourself? What is the greatest need for us relative to the application of seeing this this final verse, you know, to go in peace? Yeah. I you know, I think it's going to peace is a theme we see throughout scripture. Um, not just this one time thing and spoiler alert, I'm pretty sure Jesus says the exact same words next chapter here in Luke to another woman. Um, look at you. So, uh, I immediately thought of Romans five, one, it says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh yeah. So Jesus is telling this woman, you're forgiven. Now go, you've got me, you've got your forgiveness. You're justified by faith. It's a gift. It's nothing of your own. Now go. Now live. And 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 then she's doing this. Or he's he's doing this. And then you got the table of people right right there before it, saying, "Who is this guy? Who is this guy that's even forgiven sins?" So I think he's also saying, "Don't let the evil one get those doubts in you. Yeah. You you've got peace. You've got peace in me, and and I'm I'm all you need. So take that eternal perspective. Yes. You got to live in the world. The world's going to have troubles. I'm not saying it's going to be easy." But you've got that eternal peace. Yeah. Good word. Good. Good last look. Thank you, Will. Andrew. Very similar to that. I just sometimes when we are conscious of our sin, mm-hmm. and this is, I think, is a prerequisite, right, to be rightly related yeah. uh, to God. But we, um, as a result of that, we can have this sort of inner angst, this turmoil, this shame. And I think of Romans 8, 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus. I remember one time when David was doing the questions about forgiveness, you know, taking a field him, and somebody was asking, they might ask me afterwards, what, ab- what about um, I struggle with forgiving myself? It's like, okay, I get that God forgave yeah. me, but I, I can't forgive myself. And you can't help but wonder if this woman is like, you know, just kind of kicking herself. I can't believe I did that, whatever it was. And not only 
are we reconciled to God, but he wants us to be reconciled to ourselves mm-hmm. and he wants that shame to go away. And so I think that, to me, that's the beauty of the go in the go in peace. Mm-hmm. I was, um, I don't know, it might've been like three, four, four weeks ago. And I just had the Bible on the nightstand and happened to read this passage. Cause I know I'd be preaching on it before I went to bed. And that's the exact same thing that jumped out at me. That's just go in peace. How sometimes we can carry around some shame and we just don't have to know that God forgives us. I think God wants us to forgive ourselves too. And that, that's yeah. a little bit of why I take out. Go in peace. Get rid yeah. of that inner angst, that turmoil. Go free. Yeah. And in a peace that's just, uh, it's impossible to comprehend beyond understanding. Philippians 4-7 peace, right? We pray yeah. for that all the time. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so with me, the first, the first thought I had on this was really, I went back to a baseball cap my grandpa used to wear. I used to wear a lot of them, but one of them he, wrote, he wore that said, no God, N-O God, N-O peace, right? Uh-huh. Or K-N-O-W, no God, n- no, no peace. peace. And uh, for me, again, that's that beyond understanding. And I went to 413 because that's the peace based on our salvation that allows us to be content in all things, that we can we can find that peace regardless of our circumstances. And uh, that's the only way to really know that. So, well, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Enjoy the conversation. Uh, thank you for joining us this week. And in this Resurrection Sunday week, uh, may we all go through our daily worship with uh, reflecting it as the depth of our gratitude. And may we all go in that peace today as well. Blessings, friends. Thank you.